Hello. Hello. And welcome back to Unexceptional Americans with your hosts, Nick Donahue and Ethan Bird. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and, we we have a definitive reason for why for why Joe for why our real president Donald J. Trump has lost, has been kicked out by the Chinese, by Chinese communist agent uh, G, G. Biden. That's what we're going to call him now. Jo, Joe B- Bidong. That's what we're calling Bidang. Uh, he, so in a satanic ritual, Ruth Bader Ginsburg sacrificed herself uh, to, to get sent to Jewish hell, which may or may not exist. I don't. I haven't read the Talmud, and in doing so, Mephistopheles gave Biden the power to win. That's that is what happened. Absolutely right, Alex. Um, yes. 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 Alex Jones gave an impassionate speech at the uh, Million Man March, Million Man MAGA March. Mil- yeah, Million MAGA March, um, which had about they didn't call it a Million people. Man March because there were very few. Um, men, I would say a lot of uh, what uh, you know the brother minister Louis Farrakhan might call the spawn of Yakub. Uh, <laughs> a lot, of, a lot of pig men. Uh, a lot of John Doyle types there. Yeah, and then a lot of little boys who uh, <laughs> will never ever experience the love and warmth of a woman. Um, Did you see what was on his story today? I unfortunately, why do? I'm never going to unfollow him because of how awesome his story is. Because watch, listening to, looking at three white dudes who are legally adults, but still look like Justin Bieber when he was 12, only uglier. Um, like worse teeth, like teeth going in every which way out of their mouths. They look like they look like they were raised on farms, but of course we know they weren't. They were raised in affluent white suburbs, as most uh, Nazis are. And um, they just just saying insane crap about how just filled and exuding with the utmost self-confidence because they chose not, they, they refused to wear masks. And, and they looked at these white women in the eyes and said no when they asked them to put one on. Um, it, it really gives you a sense of, you know, like, wow, finally, white men feel valid in their bodies and spaces. You know? um, <laughs> and and uh, the guy said, this is why I like no, Asian women. Bitch. <laughs> to hear them say the words, no, bitch. And then they'll hear though at the very end to, to include as a joke, the guy, because you think it's a haha funny joke. What a cool guy! Him saying, "That's why I prefer Asian women." No, <laughs> dude, you're just a weeb. You just watched too much anime when you were, you know, busy sitting home every Saturday night as a teenager, instead of you know having friends. Like you guys are pathetic. Oh my god! Of course, the million magam, the million man magam march was neither neither <laughs> one people nor was it nor were any real men present <laughs> yeah uh, and it wasn't even much of a march either. <laughs> wasn't much of a march it was more like a bunch of people it was more like i don't know it 
it's like if those people in Wally and the levitating chairs, like if they did a march, but it's not really a march. It's a bunch of fat asses in chairs who can't move. Um, and then, of course, there was just, the uh, just hovering in a single space. There was a, a great speech by Alex Jones there, who was talking about how Joe Biden is a satanic oh, yeah. pedophile. Yeah, his whole family are satanic pedophiles. And I'm, I'm first off, they need to stop. They need to lay off Hunter. I w- I'm going to defend him to the day I die. Call me the Hunter Biden Fedayeen. I will not, inshallah, let these pig men, spawn of shaitan, uh, or iblis, or the, these creations of Yakub, uh, these serpent people, uh, stand there and insult him and call him a crackhead. Uh, Hunter is based, Hunter is cool, he is a king, and he is a person, and he is um, the only person in the highest level of American politics right now who, you know, is like worth being seen as human. <laughs> He's the only one who seems to have a real life, to have faced real people problems. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, like addiction and like, like, you know, suffering from depression because your mom was killed in a car crash that you survived. Um, and then, you know, becoming an addict. Uh, but like, Alex Jones, speaking of the Alex Jones speech, if I was him, I would be very excited right now. I'd be so happy because this is the best possible response. He's lost a lot of power and a lot of influence and a lot of cred um, within the conspiracy world which is a big world. There's a lot of audience there. I mean, he's lost a lot. Half of, half, he's lost half of a Americans lot. Of... believe at least one theory. Sorry. Hmm? Sorry. Sorry to cut you off. I said half of Americans believe at least one conspiracy theory. Yeah. And I was, and you know, uh, there's like an actual like circle of people who have been around since the 2000s that have all revolved around Alex Jones since 2001. Um, since 9-11 and when Alex Jones became the face of the 9-11 truther movement. Um, there's a whole bunch of conspiracy theorists that revolve around him. There's a whole world where he's the axis, the core of it. And all of a sudden QAnon comes along. He promoted QAnon and then boom, QAnon left him in the dust. And he's been, and he's been, that's, you know, how we've seen, you know, he's gained a lot of weight over the past couple of years. And, that's probably why, because his audience numbers have been going down. Uh, partly because, you know, he got banned off of a million things, off of pretty much every platform. And, you know, he's in clearly and increasingly uh, sinking deeper into alcoholism. So uh, he's, he's, you know, he's been, he had a rough few years in the past few years because he really bet all his horses on Trump and on QAnon and they uh, ran away from him. They ran away with his whole audience and all his money and his reputation. Um, but now that, A, there's a bunch of people, including actual Q people, turning on Q itself, because Q has been proven wrong. Um, Obviously. Yeah, because like they, they, there's a bunch of people who seem to be able to admit the conspiracy theory, uh, the conspiracy that QAnon describes is real, that the world they live in, like the, because QAnon was so weird, like there wasn't, because Q is just not a real person, it's just like a pseudonym that anybody could post be posting under. 
there was no single theory. It was just a broad worldview, which is like... It's an intersectional conspiracy theory. Yeah, it's intersectionality. and It's inclusivity. Yes. This is one thing that I like to drive, that I love to drive home, which is that, you know, on the Republican side, there's just as much, you know, id poll bodies and spaces, postmodern, blah, 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 blah stuff that they do is well, just, a, it's just so good, crazy and out there that we can't yeah. even understand it. Like, there's a good argument to be made that all politics fundamentally is identity politics. True. You know? um, and the identity Republican Party is definitely prefers that. Or form of ideology, as uh, um, I, heard, I once heard a wise man say, because I'm blanking out on the actual source of the quote. Um, but um, if I was Alex Jones right now, I'd be pretty pleased because... Um, Trump is down for the count, but he's not all the way out. All those people who love him are still out there. He still has buy-in with them. He was never he was never totally out in the cold. So he still has a way in. And he can step back in and be like, listen, I told you guys, Q is lying. Because he, he's turned on Q in the past, or the past year. And he was, I told you, Q was a, started off good back when I told you it was to listen to it. And now it's taken over by grifters and globalists um so Jews. yeah but by the yeah read read you know Jews. yeah uh you you can read that into everything he says but uh if i was him i'd be pretty damn happy because now he can get because he he was getting a big crowd and he was getting them real riled up during that speech um and he's I'm, much better figure than john doyle that's for sure yeah, I'm sure he felt good to have that again. So you know what, Alex, keep your head up, King. Come on, Alex Jones. Um, I, I've been, I paid attention to you for a long time, Alex Jones. Keep your head up. You've been you have you've really let yourself go, and I think it's it's time to go back to the good old days of you know 2015 when you know you you could just scream about how out Bill Gates is a chicken neck Nelly and you want to ring him. Uh, you know, like come on, let's do it. Let's go back to the good old days, boys. Come on. Um, but yeah, uh, it, the million MAGA March is basically Alex Jones running around giving protected by Proud Boys bodyguards, giving speeches to like, you know, delusional septuagenarians. And then, you know, the guy we just mentioned earlier, and of course our the old friend John, a bunch of, a bunch of soy boys yelling, let's go. Um, making pog champ faces it's, it's as they run through the streets. That, it's insane to me that there's, there's there's thousands, there's maybe there's millions of people, but there's thousands of people that were there that actually believe that Trump is going to somehow win, that Trump is going to prevail in the end. That they think Trump tweeted himself, and, and honestly, this all starts with Trump at, at, at some, to some degree. I mean, it's not all about Trump. I mean, we talk about this a lot that Trump is a symptom of a lot of these problems, but you know, without him as the figurehead, it does kind of fall apart, and he. Hmm. Him, him tweeting things like, we, we weren't allowed, the poll voters weren't allowed in there. We win on that alone. Like the Supreme Court is just going to say, okay, every place that did not allow the poll voters, even though they all did, okay, we're just going to invalidate hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of votes on just a whim because Trump said they weren't allowed in, even though they were always allowed in. There's all the Republicans and Democrats in there watching what's going on. And there's like zero evidence at all. And all these investigations, all these lawsuits have amount of literally nothing. And they're still going on about it and still taking like doctored photos of like Detroit, like county clerk's offices and saying this is a smoking gun. Like it's insane. 
And then, you know, John Doyle being banned off Twitter for doxing people's private information and then saying I was banned for being too base and epic. I mean, like. Yeah. I mean, like, come on, guys. Like, you guys are done. Get over it. You lost. Welcome to Copeland, guys. Like, well, we are in, we are in a cornucopia of. We are in Cope. United States of Cope. Yeah, we're in a maelstrom of Cope. And the best part about it is like that article where Trump basically, where basically reporters uh, said Trump has already basically admitted to people in the White House who then like became anonymous sources for uh, CNN and like the New York Times, where they basically said he feels his supporters are owed a fight. Like they care, like he, he had, like he feels bad for them that they wanted him to win this bad and he lost. So he's gonna, he's putting up a fight. And he's gonna get a lot of money to pay back this campaign debt along the way. Yeah, he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna (laughs) pay off all his debt and make on and probably have enough money to uh, launch uh, for him to buy out OAN or launch the Trump News Network finally. Or, or I don't know, maybe he'll get together with like some banking buddies and they'll negotiate like a merger between Infowars, Newsmax, and OAN, and uh, like the Blaze, and it will be like the- Well, he could, I mean, honestly, the kind of money that him and his buddies have, like, could can he just not like buy Fox News and like make Fox great again? Like, because that's even a more legitimate like institution. I think the problem OAN. with that is that Rupert Murdoch is one of the richest men in the world, and he could probably buy and sell Donald Trump like furniture. Um, yeah, like that's true. Yeah, like Rupert like, they're all, like they're both billionaires, but the problem is like if you're worth tens of billions of dollars versus one billion dollars, that difference is still huge. Like, yeah. in fact, even larger than the difference between somebody who has a million and a billion, because it's several hundred billion. Yeah, I mean, literally, um, like, the difference between someone with a net worth of like a couple thousand and a billion is less than between one billion and ten billion. Yeah, and yeah, because the difference between a person with a billion and like a, who and a hundred thousand dollars is less than a necessarily less than a billion. <laughs> but like Trump and the difference between like Trump and Murdoch is like tens of billions. Yeah, um, especially since no one can really get a their finger down on what Trump's actual net worth is because no one knows how much debt he's in or how much debt his organizations are in or how much is being laundered or how much he actually owns or what he well, actually like, has in his accounts. People like once you have that much money, the only reason to pursue more is like, you know, just to once you have that much money. Honest. Yeah, once you have that much money, all that matters is you pay yourself a big enough salary or you collect enough money from whatever your stock portfolio is to um, pay off the insane amount of debt you probably rack up Um, because you just borrow to pay for everything and then write off all your debts, Um, which is what Trump does. That's how he operates. He just keeps himself permanently in debt so that he can pretend on his taxes that he's broke when he, you know, has all his money in not his personal bank account. Um, but, uh, I would not be surprised if like, you know, in the next couple, like after January, if 
Tucker and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram all decide to maybe make a move. Yeah. The scenery. And they or Tucker maybe maybe Tucker will stay on Fox to uh, angle for his own separate channel, which is going to be his basis for his run against Trump in twenty twenty four. Maybe I don't know. I could see a lot of them going either way because I can see people like I, I can see the hardcore Trump people on Fox News saying, "I'm probably going to be taking a pay cut if I leave here." So no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like I've been here forever and there's tens of millions of people who watch me every night no matter what even all, all those chuds chanting Fox News sucks are getting their cues from other Fox News hosts like for all yeah. cues from Hannity and Ingram and, and Carlson there's still a lot of people watching Fox News yeah all those yeah no matter how much they say and, like the older conservatives are more still in line with Fox News whereas like the younger MAGA crowd like, they have yeah. the internet so they have like yeah, like no. I think this little this this could end up just being like a little tiff between the conservative movement and Fox News, where they're just a little pissed for now that Fox, you know, called the election for the satanic pedophile and not for their daddy. Like maybe maybe you know, but it all depends on what Trump does. I think it all depends on whether or not he actually goes for the whole. I'm going to take over OAN or Newsmax or merge them or create my own news network, whatever. If he goes the route of making his own media apparatus, then I, then it's a, then it becomes a question for those Fox hosts, you know, he's probably going to ask us to go over there because they need star power and we're it other than, other than himself personally. Um, yeah, is he gonna have a show? Is he gonna have a primetime show? Yeah, one theory I heard is that he might give himself a show. And the way that um, I think that it's resolved is the best compromise is like Rupert Murdoch gives Trump a show on Fox yeah. News, gives him a talk show, like, and he would love that. I think that's all he wants to do. Yeah, it'd be kind of weird though to see him like in that element, but I mean, he's he would love that for sure. It would be it would be Apprentice Don again, you know? and he would probably have like rallies that where he goes there and it, like that's what the show is for like sometimes. It's just yeah, like, the show is just an hour. Yeah, the show is just an hour long rally. It's like live show, right? Like, yeah, but it basically looks the same as a rally. <laughs> Donald Trump starts a podcast. <laughs> Donald Trump starts a Twitch stream. <laughs> the Trump, the Trump stream, the Trump cast. Trump, Trump has like a chat with people, and he's like start shitting on people in the chat. <laughs> Wait, when, Donald, when Chat and and Donald finally have a fight, <laughs> like every Trump streamer has seems to have beef with their own chat for some reason. But it would be yeah, awesome Trump. Well, Trump it's natural, be, right? Yeah, it would be awesome if I, I'm sure I could never be a Twitch streamer because I think I'll just fight with my chat too much. Uh, like yeah. I could never do that. I would just. I would bully chat <laughs> and, and I would probably, it would, it would become unsustainable. But, uh, <laughs> I, it would be so funny. It would be like, what, what, what do you mean? Yikes. That's not a yikes take. Why are you calling me sweaty? What, Chile? 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 That's a country. What are you talking about? Oh my God. <laughs> it would be, it would be awesome. Or Trump could st- start like doing the Joe Rogan podcast full time as a co-host. 
<laughs> That's Alex Jones' job now, you know? Joe Rogan, Donald Trump collab. The... His first post-presidential interview. <laughs> Get, it's on. It might actually be his first post-presidential interview. The only thing that was yeah, stopping him was probably his being a president, you know, at, to some degree. Yeah, the only thing that would stop him would be, like, his whoever his handlers are being like Joe. Yeah, exactly. No, like, you don't know. Like, I doubt if... Like, honestly, if Trump gets high and starts spilling state secrets, like, he just says the nuclear codes. Like, just says it on the podcast. Yeah, he goes like, did you... You want to know the code? You want to, you want to be able to launch a nuke? <laughs> and Joe's QR, like, yeah, that's... dude, send it. Yeah. qr seven six o zero o two o n zero five. Like, he's just oh, what? And somebody in the Pentagon is just pooping their pants. Just completely making a mess of themselves. I wonder, did they change the codes after each president leaves? Like, did they change the locks like, on your house? Like, do they just... I'm sure it's like Trump. Secure. I mean, Trump is, is going to be a loose cannon. I'm sure they have hid him from... Uh, I'm sure they've hid codes from him at this point. Like, Yeah, well, well they're already saying that, like, there they're, they're are elements within the Pentagon, which... Um, Trump's kind of getting rid of now, but there's still some of them are there that are, that are telling people if Trump gives the order to strike between now and January 20th, do not listen to him. Yeah. Because, like, um, he's gone rogue. And I think, well, he yeah. He so, like Iceland, like, do not, <laughs> not go ahead. He, 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 like, finally forces Denmark to sell us Greenland with, like, nukes. He's like, with a I, will, I will vaporize Copenhagen. We will, he he does the fire and fury tweet, but like it's at the king of Denmark. <laughs> He's like, give or you, Greenland or else. Well, that's the thing. It's like a lot of people in the U.S., especially on the right, but not just on the on the hard right, but also on like you know like the center right, the soft left. As we could, you know, we can use all these terms against them, right? Like Ted Cruz always says hard left, and a lot of right wingers say hard left, but you know this like soft neoliberal like warmonger establishment like a lot of these people already see u.s power to basically that effect like oh well we have the biggest military in the world we basically have an alliance with all of these western nations where they cannot defend themselves and we have to take this territory so we can basically do whatever we want with them like if we wanted to take greenland like who are they to stop us we could just yeah. try to nuke, nuke them well, what is that the reason why trump is sort of has in the past has over the past four years, I think it's overblown to the degree to which he's seen as scary by the military industrial complex and by the national security establishment. But I think one reason why some of them don't really like him is because he's, he sees through the sort of like veneer of like the liberal veneer of legitimacy, of like yeah. rule of law and legitimacy and international law. Because it all is the house of cards, basically. Yeah, the whole the whole idea of the rules based international system. He just sees through it and kind of thinks like this is kind of dumb. It, it, it like hampers our ability to 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 swing our weight around the world. Like like we we've got we've got the biggest balls. Let's show them off. Like come on, let's go with come on assless chaps, crotchless chaps, or whatever. You know, let let's go with that. And the rest of the the national security establishment is saying, oh my god, you can't show that. We can't do that. There's kids in the room. You can't do that. We can't tell them what we have actually been thinking all along. Yeah, we you you can't reveal the like when you break everything down, you can't just break it all down to the it's like the Eric Andre bit where Eric Andre just goes like uh build up, build up, build up, build up, punchline 
up, build up, build up, build up. Much line. Um, and like it has like laughing effects. There's like a laugh track playing, and Hannibal Burst just goes, "Ha! You did it, Eric! You broke comedy down to its bare essentials." Um, that's basically like what Trump has done with foreign policy, which is like, "Give us your oil! Just pay us in oil! We're gonna take your oil field." Okay, like, like just like sending troops. Like when he, he, what did he do? Where did he double troop level? I can't remember if it was. A, I think it was Afghanistan where he doubled troop levels. He just greatly increased troops in Africa, which no one even talks about. Yes, because um, our Africa shadow war has been going on for a long time, and no one even knows. Our operations in Africa are widespread, vast, and totally dark. Nobody talks. And it's definitely a thumbnail to watch as China continues to build its influence in Africa. You and know, France, either- France has a huge well, military yeah, presence France, too. Yeah. <laughs> like there, there's a like I. And we're not on the same side as even our own allies in large parts of Africa. Like, France is ostensibly our ally. And we're not on the same side in a bunch of countries. We're not on the same side in Mali or Mauritania. We're not. Yeah. And that's where they're most involved. Like, like part of the reason why this might is being kept dark is probably because neither government wants to admit that they might have special forces killing each other right now. There might be French and American soldiers firing at each other for the first time since the fucking... Uh... Mediterranean pirate wars of the early 1800s. <laughs> yeah, so the Barbary pirates. Barbary pirates, yeah. That's, that's yeah. Um, the, uh, which were based out of Libya. And the French and Americans had, at the time, competing interests there, just like we do now. Because um, the United States and Turkey... Africa, yeah, everyone talks Libya. about the pivot to Asia, but pivot to Africa is... Uh... The pivot to Africa is the most important. The pivot to Asia was all about trying to cut China off. But we, we did it too late. The real pivot is to Africa because that's where we have to fight them. Um, and the, um, and the you real... Know, you know, I, I don't that, mean we as an all, literally me, have to fight them. I mean, Yeah, I mean, we, don't, we don't give a fuck about The American them. empire uh, in its quest for self-preservation. Yeah, but what's interesting is, is that um, the people talk about this pivot to Asia, but it's, the way I see it, We've been in Asia forever. It's not really much of a pivot because the Middle East has always gotten more attention because it's been more like recently it's been more of a hot wars, more of a terrorist attacks. But like you think about Korea, Vietnam, what happened in Indonesia, you know, World War II specific theater. I mean, Asia has been more significant to U.S. foreign policy for a long time. The Philippines is very significant too. The Philippines, Philippines, they're basically a neo-colonial. It's a neo-colony of the United States essentially. Like the United States. Well, now I long, think Duterte is kind of trying to partner with China a little bit more, but for a long I, time it's been that he, way. Duterte, in my opinion, is kind of like Trump in that, because I've paid some attention to this, and from what I can tell, Duterte, the Chinese do not like Duterte. Like, every time oh, okay. he's tried to, he's occasionally tried to cozy up to them, but like, he's, he, has bra- he has harsh words for everybody, for the United States and for China. And when it comes to China, it's a little more, it's even a little more aggressive. Like, yeah, and when he had I, a threat um, once that he would that he would get a gun and a jet ski and drive it out to one of the artificial islands the Chinese are building and plant a Filipino flag on it, and then <laughs> and then challenge anyone to stop him. Um, and he's you know like he called Obama the like son of a whore or something and <laughs> said racist stuff about him, but he likes Trump, kind of. Oh well, he's basically Trump. Yeah, because their personalities are the same, and also. The, the Philippines, the country is uh, economically dependent on the United States. 
yeah. a huge amount of the economy relies on the fact that um, since we released them into political independence after World War II, um, since we decided we won't directly hold on to as a colony anymore, um, we, we have set up an economic relationship where they are dependent on us for exporting their workforce here to usually do terrible, the worst, cheapest jobs where they get horribly abused and exploited. Um, but the remittances are huge. There's a huge amount of remittances that get sent back to the Philippines. And that country is basically like still a, effectively a colonial outpost of the United States. And we still have military facilities in the islands. Yeah. Um, it's right on China's doorstep. Too. Over, yeah, no, that was the whole point of why we went into the Philippines in the first place after the Spanish-American War. Because we needed to get a, we needed to have ports closer to China in order to participate, in order to get a piece of what all the Europeans were getting a piece of. Um, that was the whole Teddy Roosevelt foreign policy, um, which once again, if you keep, if you, if there are idiots out there who keep saying that Josh Hawley is some sort of anti-establishment progressive or a, not progressive, populist, I'm going to kick you in your gonads because he, his favorite president, he makes it very clear, is Teddy Roosevelt, the white supremacist imperialist, the guy who believed that the Anglo-Saxon race, quote unquote, was the master race because, and that his evidence for that was that the British Empire and the United States combined ruled like a majority of the planet. Was his, that was his, he, that was his beliefs. That, this guy is not a populist. Josh Hawley is fully on board with like the thing he likes about Teddy Roosevelt is all the stuff everyone should not like. You know, the imperialism stuff, the yeah. colonies in the Pacific and in Africa stuff and treating Latin America like a, you know, like our backyard. Um, yeah. But yeah, basically the whole, yes. the whole world is fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, well, that's the point, you know. The I think about all these things now. Um, um, but yeah, what I was going to say is it's interesting in the Philippines. When I, was, when I was researching, when I wrote a paper a few years ago about the Belt and Road in Southeast Asia, the Philippines, at least the Philippine media, maybe that's because there's more, is it ostensibly open, or maybe it's just because it's just state-controlled, but from a Western point of view, but like, there were very harsh critiques of China's economic policy, and many, many of them were saying, we should stay out of this. And there were some people that were saying, we should maybe look at, you know, kind of trying to balance China and the United States, but... Even Australia was more favorable to Chinese investment in the Philippines. And I think that's really interesting because when you think about how the U.S. is in many cases and European power zones across the globe have manipulated local, you know, resentments yeah. and, you know, different like elements within the society and, you know, different social politics to their advantage and weaponize them to a very anti-communism degree. Yeah. And the force of right-wing anti-communism in the Philippines cannot also, can't be underestimated because... Yeah. There, a, there is a communist insurgency in the Philippines. The New People's Army has been at war with the government for decades, and understandably, um, when you have a guerrilla army out in basically like the wilderness of the country, like out in the boondocks, uh, you know, like 
basically still doing terrorism and insurgency um, in rural areas. And it has no real connection to the, you know, urban, the mostly urban working class. You end up getting a lot of like, you know, these guys are just terrorists. These guys are just criminals. These guys are just brigands attitude amongst even the people they want to appeal to. Um, a similar thing happened in, has ha- happened in Colombia with the FARC, where the FARC was driven out of the cities and into the countryside and lost connection to its working class base and ended up becoming mostly like a guerrilla force that defended peasants. Um, from And then as the peasantry was gr- ground down by neoliberalism, the FARC even really lost their connection with them and eventually was beaten into becoming what they were always accused of being, which was a drug running ring. Um, and, you know, in the Philippines also, you know, we installed an anti-communist right-wing dictator, Ferdinand Marcos, and I think a couple other anti-communist dictators along the way through the Cold War. So um, this is a country that, that that's a country to, that's definitely import, majorly important because it's, a key position in the uh, South China Sea, uh, yeah. where war is most likely to happen. They're the ones who are most endangered by Chinese encroachment. Um, and definitely you know, a key part of the first island chain. Yeah. And about. we gotta we gotta look at like over the next four years, and this is my prediction, especially for America, as far as American politics, the Republicans are gonna treat China the way Democrats treated Russia for the past four years. Yeah. Like, like we we just heard we just talked about the Alex Jones speech. He called Joe Biden a Chinese communist agent repeatedly um, in that speech. That's all he would refer to him as. And he's been ranting about the quote unquote Chai comms for the past four years. The Chinese are becoming the right wing's big boogeyman. Uh, you know, Tom Cotton was going on Fox News in the beginning of the pandemic oh, yeah, to say that uh, COVID was a bi- to hint or suggest that COVID was a bioweapon. Um, or at the very least, the Chinese were purposefully negligent because um, they were already prepared for it and they knew the rest of the world wasn't, which is hilarious because, like, you know, we were, we're that just means we were just underprepared, Tom Cotton. That just means we suck. Um, yeah, if, if Tom Cotton is scary, dude. If, if he, if he had the ability, he would wipe out the entire, like, Asian continent in, like, a second. Yeah, he's a scary guy. He's- and also... Um, we've seen the way that Republicans... He's a Christian fascist, basically. I mean, yeah, he's he's like... He's George Bush on all the drugs. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. A- anything that could amp him up. Because um, he's a frightening authoritarian. And but I still don't think he would be able to win. Like, I mean, it depends who yeah, he's going against. It depends. He's, he's not very he's appealing. that so. weird, like scrawny like nerd neck where you can see his adam's apple move when he talks and you're just kind of like ew like he looks like a worm and he sounds like a nerd he doesn't look like the troop he thinks he is because he served he's a troop he literally is but i think he imagines himself to be like like right like republican spartacus of arkansas or something it's like no you look like a guy who you look like a weasel man who went to Oxford. Like you look like their version of Pete. You're not. Yeah, he does remind me of Pete a little yeah, bit. Like yeah. you're just kind of. You it's, look. Warm, aesthetics. Yeah, he looks and sounds wormy and weaselly. Like he, he resemb- his his personality and his character represent resemble Jeb Bush 
more than they resemble Trump, even though ideologically, obviously, he's a lot more like Trump. Um, yeah, it would be like a lot because his charisma, you know, yeah, just appeal um, to that kind of people. Yeah, like the that's that's why I don't have a whole lot of faith in the ability of Tom Cotton or Josh Hawley or even Tucker Carlson, for that matter, if they run in twenty twenty, if any of them or all of them run in twenty twenty four. Um, I have doubt in their ability to win in a Republican primary because, well, Trump, they just, they come off as Trump's a happy warrior. He's, he thrives and laughs off of being just a jerk to other people. They're like mean spirited, nerdy, like party apparatchiks. And I don't, it's like what happened with um, in the Virginia governor's race, I think it was, when the Republicans were trying to come up with a candidate to run against uh, Ralph Northam, since he was already pretty much had the Democratic nomination. It was like Ed Gillespie was one of the guy's names. And he was like the, he was like the chairman or something of the Virginia uh, Republican Party or something like that. And he was like a typical like country club Republican. Like he was a, he was a suit like Tom Cotton or Josh Hawley or Tucker Carlson. He was just, a, for most of his life, he had been purely a conser- business conservative suit. Um, typical establishment, you know, they would call him neocon guy. Um, and then at, in the post-Trump era in 2017, he ran around pretending that he was a populist and running ads about MS-13 and giving all these speeches about it. And MAGA chuds just didn't buy it. He tried. Yeah. The more he tried to act like Trump, the the less they liked him because they didn't buy it. They were like, "Come on, just be real with us. You're a nerd. You're a GOP suit. Just you're you're talking head for them. Just go ahead, be that. We might vote for you then. Probably not, but at least we'd respect you. Right now, you're just kind of like a you're a you're a pan, you're a pansy ass nerd who's trying to who's who's a faker. You're a poser. Um, and I think that's the vibe that people like Tom Cotton will end up giving off. Um, yeah. Go, you're trying the Trump thing, but you're not, you're not Trump. You're not as cool. But who do you think on the Republican side could be like the next Trump in that way? Is there anyone, I don't, I can't think of anyone on the top of my head that is kind of, which is why Trump may just run again. Yeah. Like, a, Trump may just run again. The next Trump may just be Trump. Um, <laughs> and, Although I still doubt like his kind of like his age and his health. I, I don't know how like I feel like he's definitely going to try to do that. I think he's going to I think go forward with it. But I'm terrified of the possibility that he gets that he decides because he's put on a lot of weight as president. Clearly, you know, he's got the dump truck. Holy crap. He's got the absolute fatty. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he does. Yeah. But um, no dumpy, no Trumpy. No, don't, yeah. Don't dump Trump. Uh, and if he like god for god forbid like he spends the next four years trying to shed the president weight and getting back into shape um taking more regeneron but for fun uh kissing all the guys doing his little you know masturbation dance and like i can if he spends the next like four years doing that like 
and he gets back in there. And he's only, he's four years younger than Joe Biden. So in 2024, he can just say, and people are like, people think you're too old. And he, he can just say, listen, I've been eating Big Macs and with a large diet Coke. I, I have never not said supersize me my entire life. I eat Wendy's for breakfast, McDonald's for lunch, KFC for dinner, everything. <laughs> and I've been doing that for 30 years and nothing it has never hurt me. I am perfectly I survived COVID. I'm I've mute. survived COVID. I am on I am roided out of my mind right now. I'm ready to kiss every man I see right on their big beautiful lips. And I want to and, and I and I want to I want the big burly generals and the big buff handsome soldiers to hold me. Um, and I and my heart will is just invincible. Rhino heart. Nothing can hurt me. Uh, and also, I'm four years younger than Joe Biden. I'm at the same age he was when he ran when he ran the last time. The, I'm the same age he was four years ago. He just was president for four years. I'm I'm good, guys. I'm good to go. I just spent four years relaxing and maximizing. Well, if Biden dies in office, then maybe that argument doesn't hold as much power, you know? Wait, what? Like, if Biden dies, I'm just speculating. If Biden dies in office, Trump can't play that card. Because he'd be like, well, we just had a president who was old and died. And now you're trying to be the president, sir. But like, we don't want to go through that again. We don't want to go through. And his supporters are just—he's just going to do what he always does, which is, I'm the best health I've ever been in my entire life. No one's healthier than me. As he's like coughing and wheezing. Yeah, he could be coughing and wheezing. He could literally like have like visible skin cancer, and he would be—I'm the healthiest I've ever been. He like he could literally be like. He he could lose all his weight. He could be anorexic and like a frail like wisp of a man like he that could happen over the next four years and he would just be like, i'm the healthiest guy you've ever seen people people come up to me and they say oh my god you you look so great i've never seen anyone look as strong as this oh my god yeah. and then i kiss them i kiss all the guys um yeah and I mean, by visibility yeah, by, by visibility month trump trump is our first openly by president uh i, f- yeah, I feel you, represented um i mean it's just it, it, it'll be interesting because i think what this is all set up for is so that his he just puts his supporters on the boiling plate for the next four years while they sit there thinking to themselves like none of this should be happening right now this was stolen from us we had it we had it in our hands <laughs> and just thinking to just thinking about that for the next four years which you know we saw what it did to liberals over the past four years the idea of like we won we won the popular vote by like two million votes we we ran the quote most qualified candidate in his in american history which is a joke yeah which is a huge joke because being first lady of a shitty state like arkansas and then being first lady of the country does not exactly count as experience not to mention she's only in the senate for two years and didn't do anything other than support the iraq war um wasn't she a senator for like eight years but no she ran in like when she run they waited a few years after they had to wait a few years after bill left office i thought she ran until 2000 if i'm not mistaken i don't know i thought it was like more like 2002 2004 or something like that i can't remember i don't know I can't remember. I was like five. 
But uh, I was a I was a wee baby. I... No, she was a senator from two thousand one, two thousand nine. Oh wow! Oh, I always thought it was shorter than that because she didn't really do much. Um, yeah, I actually forgot she was a senator. Uh, everybody forgets because nobody talks about it because she didn't do anything significant other than you know support George totally Bush's worst that. policies. I don't, I don't understand how she was Secretary of State. Like, she, she, I don't know. I think they just dumped her on the Foreign Affairs Committee and then like John Kerry had been on the Foreign Affairs Committee for decades. And then they're just like, move over, John. Hillary needs... But he was eventually... Yeah, yeah. Ev- yeah eventually. He Remember, he was floated to be running in 2020 as well. That would have been epic. If John Kerry ran in 2020? If, if we got all the losers out in a big parade, John, if Hillary ran again, and Tim Kaine ran, and John Kerry ran, Al Gore, and Al Gore, yeah, Al Gore back. Hell, we even get Howard Dean back. He was a campaign funded exclusively by the MEK. Um, he, you know, the, you know, the Persian American community, you know, a bunch of like weirdo, rich Iranian Americans who want to overthrow the Islamic Republic just bankroll Howard Dean because. Uh, because he supports an Iranian death cult that pretends to be a government in exile. Um, you know, you just if we just got all those people in, God, I wish that had happened. Because honestly, Bernie would have won. <laughs> Bernie would have won the primary. If he would have won like fifty percent. Everyone's like John Kerry, yeah. Like if like all those centri- all all the people who were already voting for Joe Biden just, just like, oh Hillary, she's back, yay. Oh John Kerry, he was kind of cool. He deserved it. Uh, <laughs> if he just start, like Hillary just starts like just being like full cringe, like Pokemon go to the polls, like she's just like they say Bernie's got the youth vote, but I think I could make a play. I could be, I could make a play. I I'm cool. Call I'm of Duty, woman. Cold War, more like Call of Duty. Start the Cold War again. <laughs> That's too good, man. No, but. I still don't get why Hillary even ran for president, like ever. Like I don't know. I just like she. It's her goal. It was her goal. In life. <laughs> I know, but her only driving force, which is why no one cares about her anymore, and she just like has vanished into the thin air because her only goal in life has been taken away from her. Um, yeah. But uh. I just don't think like being a first lady is like setting you up well for political success or being a first man like with a small husband. Considering power being handed from husband to wife is usually a sign of your country is run by a dictator. Um, You know, because this happens in a lot of the banana, that happened in a lot of like Latin American banana republics. Like, like that was, that that move was invented by Juan Perón. (laughs) It's, it's not a, in, in developed, in fully developed, like advanced countries in the imperial core, uh, doesn't fly because it's oh, a huge yeah. violation of liberal democratic norms to just pass power through families. Um, which the liberals have been begging for Michelle Obama too. If she had run, she probably would have won the primary. Michelle Obama probably, be probably would have won, period, I think. Um, yeah. She's the most popular Democrat like period um like she's more popular than barack in polls um which is consistent because um, she doesn't she didn't order the drone strikes yeah she doesn't order the yeah so most she's inoffensive to a lot of people and 
also like genuinely like a bright she's like Obama she's genuinely bright and charismatic you know yeah it's smart like people can see that um and you know I think there's a there's an appeal to that but I don't think uh I honestly don't think Michelle Obama's interested like that's one of the things to me about the Obama yeah, she probably- like, as much as I have my criticisms as we know of Barack Obama as much as I think he was a complete failure and in many cases, actively made things worse. Um, well, I think, yeah. I don't really have anything against the Obamas as people or as, a, as persons, as a family, because they're a relatively normal family as far as yeah. politicians go. And Michelle Obama seems like a normal woman who just, I she's not Hillary Clinton. You know, they're, yeah. I like the, the reason why the Clintons' marriage even still exists is because Hillary knew Bill was her ticket to the presidency, and Bill knew his legacy rested on, in large part, was in her hands. So yeah. they they stayed they stayed together for political reasons. Um, I mean, like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of fiction out there based on the Clintons that pretty much all universally agrees, you know they stayed together for power uh, yeah. for the most part, at least uh, like even Clinton insiders have written like stuff that suggests uh, people intimately familiar with the family know, have said that. Um, but uh, I think the Obama's are slightly different. I don't, I don't see Michelle running in the future. I don't see that happening. And honestly, like, good for her. I don't want it to happen because I'm sick of, our country having political dynasties. It's dumb. I kind of hate it. Yeah. Like, I mean, Bernie Sanders didn't even dose, endorse his own son. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, that's a little... Okay. But yeah. Um, speaking of which, speaking of Bernie, this is stuff that we did not talk about. The Biden transition is beginning. And um, so far, so terrible. And not at all unexpected. Yeah. Uh, Robert Klain, the chief of staff, his one redeeming quality is that he was the guy in charge of, Ebola, of the Ebola response, which is, means that he's the most qualified person probably to be in charge of handling COVID response. Um, despite the fact that, yes, those pan, you know, Ebola was not a pandemic. It, it spread far. It's you know it requires transferal of fluids to spread. It very different disease, very different beast, very different uh, outbreak that you had to deal with because it spread so much slow, so much more slowly, and was so much fewer people and easily contained. But it was a similar panic, um, and you know it's also you just scale up what he already did. But um, other than that he has zero redeeming qualities. Uh, this is a guy who um, in between stints in the Clinton and Obama white houses uh, spent his time as a corporate lawyer and lobbyist um, defending a company, helping companies uh, that used asbestos shirk mesothelioma victims on what they were owed. This is a guy who lobbied for uh, Fannie Mae leading up to do that, like in, the, in a few years before the recession. Um, he's, 
not a good guy. <laughs> um, yeah. Have there, ever, has there been any other have there, have there been any other picks we know about? Um well there's uh what's her name? Her last name is Munoz. Munoz. I, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Yeah, uh, the Obama era. The Obama immigration um, advisor who uh, is who now everybody has seen the clip of her on TV. Basically, I, I would call that her equivalent of the Madeleine Albright moment. You know, where like Madeleine Albright was asked in the 90s by uh, Leslie Stahl. I think Leslie Stahl. Um, you know, we've heard 500,000 children have died because of U.S. sanctions in Iraq. Some people think that that's too much, that the price is not worth it. And she goes, we think the price is worth it. It's, it's a hard choice, but it's worth it. It has to be done. Um, basically, this other woman, Cecilia, I want to say is her first name, but I might just be making that up. Um, was the immigration advisor was an immigration advisor in the Obama administration who went on 60 Minutes or some other interview show to defend the Obama administration, um, even though because everybody everybody seems to not understand this. Yes, the Obama and Trump policies were not the same, but the Obama policy was terrible. The Obama policy they built the cages. The only difference is that they you know just the whole they built the cages thing they did. The the difference was that. The children they often put, that they often had to detain, were genuinely unaccompanied. Yeah. And in other cases, they didn't separate families. They either locked families in cages together or genuinely unaccompanied minors uh, in cages. Whereas the Trump administration decided to go the extra mile of separating families and then declaring the children unaccompanied and locking them up in these camps. Um, and also, you know, they began expanding the camps and whatnot. They ramped everything up in general. Um, but basically, yeah. in this interview, uh, this, uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce her last name again because I can't. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Muna, wh whatever her name is, uh, basically was asked in a, in a manner very similar to uh, that Madeleine Albright moment about Iraq, you know, there's a lot of, they're locking lots of, a bunch of children in cages. <laughs> like, that's what you're doing. And she was just like, yeah, so we got to do it. We got to, we're enforcing the law, man. We're just enforcing the law. I'm just, full, she, she went full Adolf Eichmann at one point. She's like, Congress passes laws, we enforce them. Uh, and it was like, uh, um, you altered the policy. <laughs> <laughs> like you have a huge amount of leeway on this you also control how you enforce uh policy that's like the whole yeah there was no law that said brand. you must build cages yeah no the, the law does not literally say like build cages put kids in them it says you know it gives outlines about uh what the legal process for entering the country is and what the process is for dealing with people who entered um, without the proper authorization. Um, and some of that legal process requires people to be held in a single place or you to track, be able to track their location. Doesn't mean you have to lock them in cages. They could have easily just, you know, said, all right, we're going to start giving people ankle bracelets. Um, so they come to their here, so they so that we know where they are, just in case they don't show up to their uh, immigration hearings. 
It's yeah. not. It's not what they did. <laughs> it's just not yeah, what they did. If I should be wrapping up. Sorry, but yes, um, we must any final statements? Um, all I gotta say is uh, we should. Well, my last point. The last thing I'll bring up is that. Uh, hey, uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren have been frozen out of the cabinet, as per reports. Um, even though Bernie's campaign to be labor secretary, uh, Robert Reich was a is a decent guy. He was labor secretary for Bill Clinton. He lost every major policy battle, even though he made a lot of wonderful arguments and debated the other people in the cabinet very hardly. This was also a debate lord. Yeah, we we saw, but we've seen what it's like when you have a progressive labor secretary in a cabinet with a guy like Larry Summers as your treasurer, and. Um, it, the, Larry Summers won, <laughs> um, won all those fights with Robert Reich, pretty much. All but, the, I mean, the difference is that Biden did campaign on fifteen dollars minimum wage, which if Bernie was in there, to, I mean, I don't know. I my Obama Biden might be willing to do a fifteen dollars minimum wage, maybe, but that requires an act of Congress, a, and the Senate's not going to pass it. Um, so Biden, that's the other thing we got to realize here the senate is going to be republican and biden is going to have the perfect excuse for two years to just sit on his hands and not do any of the more progressive things for losing the house in the midterms and having and any better going to lose the house for that reason in the midterms um that in the general historical and statistical trends when it comes to midterm elections as well don't bode well um and then that's where we get, that's how we end up with four years of everything getting continually worse and worse. Um, but yeah, basically my final point is, um, you know, it's not over. <laughs> the nightmare is not over. Um, Our law and national nightmare is not over. In the words Fuck of you, Lawrence O'Donnell. In the words of Winston Churchill, this is not, the end. This is not even the beginning of the end. It is merely the end of the beginning. Very well put. All right. Um, thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Bye.